0: Hi there, and welcome to A Different Way of Seeing. Have you ever wondered how a disabled person lives their life? Join our host, Lois Drachen, as she chats to people about work, education, trouble, sport, the arts, and leisure, and the tools and techniques they use to live their lives with the disability. And now... On with the show.
1: Hi there, and thank you for joining us for this episode of A Different Way of Seeing, a podcast where we talk all things disability. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're talking with Jan Veratunga, who is an author. But well, I'm going to chat to Jan and let her introduce her books, but you'll understand exactly why I wanted to invite Jan onto the podcast as we chat. Jan, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today?
2: Hi, I'm great. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. So yes, um, you wanted me to just uh, sort of introduce my, my books.
1: Well, Um, I think we're going to go a little bit deeper than that, but maybe before we even go into the books, tell us, who is Jan? Ooh, um,
2: (laughs) who is Jan? Jan is trying to be an author. No, Jan is an author. Um, I've been writing seriously now for about 10 years. Um, I was born in the UK, lived in various parts of the world, and currently find myself in South Africa. In sunny South Africa, um, I love writing. I particularly love writing for children um, because I think that books shape them and and we have a responsibility when we write to to look at things and actually try and point them maybe in a good direction I'm not saying necessarily a right direction because I you know everybody's idea of right is different but a good direction
1: well maybe you can tell us a little bit about the books that you've written because you're quite broad in the ages, the topics, the subject matters and the writing that you've done. So give us a a kind of just a snapshot of the writing that you've done so far.
2: Okay, snapshot is I've written 30 plus children's books um, and they range from sort of four-year-olds up to 12 Um, I predominantly write um, for children, but I have written for adults as well. I write uh, rather dark um, adult short stories. I think it's a balance towards writing light for children. Um, And one of the stories that I wrote was actually nominated for the African Speculative Society for uh, Best Short Story um, um, Anthology for that particular year, which was in 2018. But my, my heart lies with the children's books. Um, I have several series out there. Uh, Polly's Paralympics is my, um, my go to, if you like. It's where I always slot comfortably into Polly. I can write to her anytime I want to. Um, then I have the Tukani series, which is based here in South Africa and talks very briefly about uh, being different, picking up rubbish, and Stranger Danger, which is obviously quite important. Um, Yoganini's is based in the Middle East. It's around um, children doing yoga, um, but they also meet um, a young boy who has uh, a physical disability with one of his legs. Another one who makes fun of them um, and ends up with a broken leg and has to join them as part of his recreation um, to, to to recuperate. And dealing with old people as well, because how how we deal with an aging population is also important. Uh, and my latest series, which is coming out once a month, um, and that's keep, we're just about keeping up with that one, is the Patches Pirate Pals. Um, again, I love pirates. I think it's just so nice to, to write about for kids. And that's a series with blue beard and red hair. And we've actually had two number ones on Amazon with that. So we brought the first book out in June, went to number one. The second book came out in July, went to number one. And we're bringing one out next week, which I also hope goes to number one. But, as I say polly Polly special she was my first um my first character, and she is disabled as well. she actually has one eye, um so right from the onset, I always felt an affinity with uh, with the pirates, so there you go in a nutshell, I think that's pretty well it.
1: Well, congratulations on your success on Amazon. That's fantastic to hear, and all the best for the third book in the series. You. you do the writing yourself, the illustrations. What what is your role and what is your kind of creative process?
2: Okay, I do all the writing, so writing falls with me. Um, with the Yoga ninis, I actually did the illustrations for that particular series, um, but I have an illustrator for um, the, the the current series, uh, Patches Pirate Pals which is a lady in the UK who I've known, actually. We we talked together out in the Middle East. And Lisa Marie, um, she she and I sort of known each other and then finally decided, right, let's do this. So um, we've been chatting about it and and got going with it. Um, Polly's Paralympics is for the sort of 8 to 12-year-olds, although it's been read to as young as 4. And I've got a 65-year-old lady that every time I have a new book coming out or if there's a bit of a gap between them she contacts me and says when's the next one coming because I enjoy reading them (laughs) um so but that's actually an eight to twelve so that actually I don't put pictures in that one at all um I actually just have little pictures at the start of the um the chapters and then at the end of the chapter I have a page where the children can interact so it's a bit of a comprehension page Um, you know, about what happened in the chapter and they can draw in the book because we always tell children they can't draw in books, but in my books they can. And and in the other three series, the Chikani, the the Yoga Minis and the um, Polly's Paralympic, uh, sorry, uh, Yoga Minis and the uh, Patches Pirate Pals, um, that we've actually got the illustrations so that children can colour those in and be interactive with them in that way so that we leave the illustrations for young people to actually in themselves,
1: I love that idea. Let's talk a little bit more about Polly and the the Paralympic series. What's yep. it about? And give us the the origin story of that series.
2: Okay. Well, the origin story goes back to 2012 and the closing ceremony of the Paralympic Games, and Sir Philip Craven was actually. Um, giving the the closing speech and in his speech he narrated about how a mother and her son were reading a book and in the book there was a character and the mother said my boy, you know, who's this? And the picture depicted a man with one eye, a hook for an arm and a wooden leg and the boy turned around and he said mum, he's got one eye, one arm, one leg, he must be a Paralympian. And that got me thinking, because the book they were actually reading was Treasure Island, and of course the character he was looking at was a pirate. And I suddenly thought, pirates, one eye, one arm, one leg. Children's books, one eye, one arm, one leg. Paralympics, you know. And I went out there and I started having a look around and there was nothing, absolutely nothing. No books that that connected Paralympics And pirates. And I thought, that'd be quite good. And I spoke to a friend about it and bounced it off a couple of people. And they said, Well, write it. And I went, No, I can't, you know, I can't write. And I did a little bit of poetry and that before that. And I'd messed around with, you know, um, another little series um, other than the ones I've already told you about. But I I sort of didn't really feel confident enough to do it. And then they said, Look, just write it. So I did. And Polly was born. And um, Polly. As I say, she has uh, she's born the smallest in the brood, and she has only one, uh, one eye. But both her parents believe that she is going to change the world. And she does. She changes the world because she invents the Paralympics, which, of course, is Paralympics for Pirates. Um, so that's where the series was born. I'm just working on the 10th book at the moment. Um, we've had everything from Polly being in Ireland um, and leprechauns to pumpkins and Um, I've even got Polyopoly as a game that the kids can play in 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 the book. Um, you know, she she she's been all over the place. Um, and one of the books I wrote, which is why I bring the girls in, because girls can be pirates too, of course. and that was um, set up in in the the snowy arctic and that's Polly's Inuit Paralympics and the interesting thing about that one was I actually conversed with 10 Inuits when I was writing that book. Um, I went onto Facebook and I just contacted people and they were kind enough to talk to me and so I was able to to talk to them and originally I wanted to call it um, Polly's Eskimo Paralympics And then they said to me, please don't, because Eskimo means eater of raw fish. And it's actually a name that your ancestors gave to us. We want to be known as Inuits. So I actually brought that into the book. So I actually have a whole chapter on calling people what they would like to be called and why we call them Inuits and not Eskimos. So that's that one. And then, of course, we have coming back to Africa. And my heart lies in Africa as well. So I mentioned about Tula Tula, which is a game, a real game reserve, down in uh, KwaZulu-Natal, where the author actually, or two authors um, herald from there. Um, You may have heard of The Elephant Whisperer and An Elephant in My Kitchen. And Francois wrote An Elephant in My Kitchen. She gave me permission to use location um, in the book and even wrote a foreword. Uh, for the seventh book, which is Polly Returns to Africa. So Polly gets around the place. She she has lots of adventures. And we have um, Dracula parrots, which actually are real things, uh, real birds. Um, and when I found out that there were birds called Dracula parrots, then, of course, there had to be pumpkins and Halloween and all the – you know, it just lent itself to it. Um, so, so, yeah, so I hope I haven't gone on too long, but that's basically – Polly, in a nutshell, I suppose.
1: I am certain that just as I am, a number of the listeners are going to be smiling just in thinking about Polly and her escapades. So, what is it that you are trying to teach kids?
2: Okay. These books are not just for children with disabilities. Although, if I may relate a story, um, I went into a school here in Johannesburg and a little girl had a prosthetic leg and beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And it was uh, cream coloured with purple flowers and butterflies mm-hmm. on it. And um, I'd, I'd gone into the school, I'd done my, my talk and what have you, given over some books to the school to put into their library. And then, about, mm, it was just over a month later, I went back to visit i I like to go back and see how the kids are getting on, do they like the books, et cetera. She saw me in the playground, and she just made a beeline for me. She came running over, she flung her arms around me, and she said, "Auntie Polly, Auntie Polly," because they tend to call me Polly because of the character. So they call me Auntie Polly, Auntie Polly, Auntie Polly. Thank you for writing that book for me. But and and I'm I I actually ended up with such a lump in my throat I couldn't actually talk to her for several minutes until I could sort of get myself under control again because I hadn't realised the impact it would have on a child being able to identify with the characters in the book yeah. because all my yeah. characters have disabilities. In fact, in book three, one of the pirates pretends to be blind in one eye because he wants to be the same as all the other pirates because they have you a know, missing limb or um, uh, they're deaf or whatever. And so he actually pretends, he puts a patch on his eye Gets caught out because he changes the patch over and they see that he you know he changes from one eye to the other. And when when they sort of his captain gets hold of him, he says, Look, I just I just wanted to be the same as you. And so what I think I'm trying to teach in my books is that we're all different, and nothing's right and nothing's wrong. If if somebody has a disability or doesn't have a disability, disability doesn't mean inability, and that's one of the things that that I say again and again in my books. It just means that we do things in different ways. And I try and bring that out in my books so that children who are also able-bodied can enjoy them and read them and maybe understand a little bit more as well. Again, just to narrate a little incident, um, one of my characters um, that's in a wheelchair gets knocked out by a coconut, which they're using as a basketball. Um, and so an able-bodied pirate says, well, I'll I'll do it. And he gets into the wheelchair and then he realizes just how hard it actually is. And he then turns around to the rest, you know, sort of says, you know, when we get back on board the ship, you're all going to get into this, this chair. So, you know, what it feels like for him. And I think that's something actually I advocate for. I actually believe that all people that have anything to do with disabilities should be made to either be blindfolded for a week, have ear grommets put in for a week, um, have sit in a wheelchair for a week. So they actually appreciate that when you put a six-inch curve yeah. on a footpath and you don't put a drop curve to match the drop curve on the other side of the road, people can't push somebody in a wheelchair or somebody in a wheelchair can't get across the road. Um so yeah, so I tend to beat my drum a little bit about things like that because I think they're very important. Um, yeah,
1: it is, and I mean, for, for me, I for a few, probably now, probably a year ago, I was listening to a podcast, and an author, Lamar Giles, who is African American, he was being interviewed and about how he became a middle grade author, and he said okay. one of the reasons he became an author was because he couldn't see himself in any of the books he was reading at school mm-hmm. and then he spoke about books being mirrors in which we see our own world reflected and mm-hmm. being windows into the worlds of other people and i find that such an interesting analogy because it's true you know a a child with a disability will read your books and go that's me.
2: Yeah.
1: I am seen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a child without a disability might read and go, wow, that character with a disability is just a normal person like I am. Yeah. And I, I think it, the normalization of disability through books like yours and hopefully like mine my children's books, my Missy Mouse books, that's mm. so important in both children's lives and in the conversations that they can stimulate with parents and elder siblings and just with the peers, the kids' peers. It, it's mm. such a fascinating conversation. And for so long, that conversation has been swept under the carpet. You know, I have I'm afraid of it, actually. Um, and that, I suppose, is understandable. People don't want to offend. But um, you know, I can remember walking with my guide dog and uh, being passed by a mother with a, a young child who must have been about four or five. And the child mm. turned around and said, Mommy, why is that dog wearing a harness? And the mother said, Shh, I'll tell you later. Mm. And that kind of othering becomes problematic in society if we're trying to build inclusion.
2: Yeah. It needs to become normal. Yes. And I think that's what I try and do with my books. I mean, for me the Paralympics is probably, if you like, the big flag. Mm. Um and 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 it's it's the unfortunately every four years, but it's the it's the one time that the rest of the world wakes up to to disabilities. Um, on masse, if you like. And and I think, the, I, personally, I feel the London games, I think it changed perceptions about disabilities. It definitely changed mine. Up until then, I was like everybody else out there. I, I, I'd sort of see somebody and I'd open a door or I'd help somebody or whatever, but I didn't really understand or appreciate their world. I think as much as I do now, and I'm not saying that I, I understand and appreciate everything because obviously I don't, but I try to. And that's also what I try to put into my books so that, you know, I make them funny as well, so we have a dress-up contest and, and you know, the the Frankenstein head rolls off and, and somebody has to go and collect, you know, because you're, you're talking to children and, and they can't have everything all doom and gloom and and, and, and heavy and so and and disability shouldn't be like that either yeah. it should be normal it should be every day it should be just that the, the, the children look at a child in a wheelchair or, or look at somebody with a white cane and just go up and talk to them because they're the same as them
1: exactly.
0: and I think once
2: we get we get to that point I think then then we start to make things normal because let's be honest. What is normal? And I also talk about we all have a disability of some sort. And, you know, I I got shot down on one occasion by a disabled person. I said, that's not a disability. Because I was talking about things like if you can't spell very well or if you can't ride a bicycle because you've got no coordination or if you can't cook. or And they said, but those aren't disabilities. And I said, they are to the person that maybe the only thing they've ever wanted to do is ride a bicycle and they can't. And it's not a disability on the same level as a disabled person. And I, I, I 100% un- recognize and understand that. But it, it is a form of disability. And what I was trying to do in my books when I said that was say, nobody is perfect. Nobody is normal. Nobody is, you know, um, able to do everything in this world. We all have something, some sort of disability it's just they're all different and some are more severe and some aren't and that's what i was actually trying to relay at the time
1: i think you know the the, the point is we are all different we all have different strengths we all have different areas that we can't do as efficiently and mm. within that context i suppose it is a spectrum so just normalizing the fact that we are all different, is the fundamental core of that conversation. Yes. Talking about the Paralympics and the Pirate Olympics, Jan, before we actually started recording today, you mentioned that today being the 2nd of August, 2022, is... A particular anniversary when it comes to the Paralympics. Tell us about that.
2: Yes, today is actually the 74th anniversary of the first Paralympics, which of course started in uh, the UK uh, Stoke Mandeville Hospital. And the idea initially was just to sort of lift the morale of those who had lost limbs during the war. But of course, it just grew and it grew and it grew and to the wonderful movement that we see today so happy birthday to the Paralympic movement.
1: Absolutely and I, I think it, it's it wasn't planned this way but it is really lovely that it happens to be that we're recording on that particular anniversary so Absolutely. coincidence is sometimes a wonderful thing. Now Jan you mentioned a little bit earlier that you go and you speak at schools. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the work you do in schools and particularly about the fact that you take Polly and her friends with you.
2: Yes. Um, I'm not quite sure why, but I suddenly realised that, that, that um, a lot of my books are based around birds. Now, whether that's because they have a bird's eye view on things and then they can sort of, it's almost a little bit like the author taking a step back and viewing something and showing a world to the audience, as well as being able to then fly in close and see it up close. And I realise that I have fruit the falcon, I have Polly the pirate, I have Tucani the toucan, I have Hetty the hornbill, Mpo is also a macaw, he's a, he's a parrot, um, And I was lucky enough to go to a toy shop one day and see all of these wonderful puppets. And they're just about arm length. So if I put my arm up inside, they come sort of down to my elbow. And I went nuts. I must admit, I went nuts. I bought six of them. Um, And yes, and I take them into schools with me. And I find it breaks down a lot of barriers. So, for example, I very often do a little play where I get um, the children involved themselves. And it's, it's around anti-bullying, because I find that um, unfortunately a lot of bullying goes on in schools with both able-bodied and disabled children. But um, the disabled children are an easy target. So a child that maybe wears a hearing aid or really thick rimmed glasses because they're not 100% blind, but technically they could be almost blind. Um, they they get picked on. So I do these little plays and I have the puppets with me and I get the children involved. So I usually end up with about 12 youngsters. And I I want to just relate a little story about a little girl who, she's she's actually, um, I think technically now would be described as disabled because she was in a very bad car accident. She lost her brother and she doesn't speak. She doesn't talk. And I went into the school and I said, Well, that's okay. She can come along and she can, you know, she can be one of the crowd and, and what have you. And we were rehearsing the play first. And it usually takes about 10 minutes to rehearse it. And then the drama teacher said, Can we, can I just go over with the kids again? And then, you know, we've got assemblies. So I said, Yeah, no, that's fine. And we couldn't believe it. This the young lady doesn't talk. Um, she has a severe um, damage to her brain. She can talk. But she chooses not to. But I gave her a puppet and I also make beanies. I make beanies all over the place because it's cold in South, South mm-hmm. Africa uh, in the winter. And I gave all the kids a beanie to wear and that, that's part of the play. And um, she suddenly started talking and she was the only girl that particular year. It's a very small year. There's only seven kids in that particular class and she's the only girl. And she started telling the boys, no, you're doing that role." She said, do it like this. And she started telling them what to do. So what I find is the puppets give confidence to the children. They give confidence to me as well, because when I first started talking, I was as nervous as anything. And when I have Polly on my hand, it's almost like my alter ego um, takes over. In fact, one of my friends is dead scared of me when I've got Polly on my wrist. Um, And, you know, I take her into shopping malls, and she went on holiday to Ireland with me, and I've got photographs of her on holiday, and... You know, so when I can, Polly goes with me, um, and so I actually use her to help the children get over their lack of confidence, or um, they talk through the puppets, is what I'm trying to say, and they just seem to change. And they, that particular school couldn't believe the change in that particular young lady, and, and and I let the kids all keep the, the beanies. And I said, let them keep their beanies. And do me a favor, just let her wear her beanie during drama and see if it makes a difference. And I actually got a report back from the school that she has just totally changed, and, which was lovely for me to hear. Um, but also the kids relate to the puppets. You know, they're, they're, they're young and, and they're, you know, the puppets are fun and they're fluffy and, you know, and they've got this sort of different color. They're very bright in color, very, very bright in color. And they've got it like a squeak in the beak, so and the kids love squeaking beaks. Um, and then they make them talk. So yeah, that's that's really why I take the puppets in. And, and, and yeah, Polly's very very special to me.
1: It definitely sounds like it. And if you are now working on book number ten, well, I am. That's good to know. So Polly will be sharing more of her adventures with us, no doubt as as time progresses
2: may i read you just one page from one of my books we would it's just referring back to the disability sign and i actually have the parking sign and the sticker with disabled only um written on it and the chapter is entitled disabled parking i'm just literally going to read one page when they finish walking around They hopped back into their boat and putted round to the head of Kilronan. Here there was a small harbour wall to protect the village from the harsh storms that battered the island in the winter. The water was deeper here, so they looked for a parking spot along the quay. They saw a disabled slot and headed for it. After all, Captain Haig had only one arm, one eye and one leg. But before they could get to it, a speedboat with a snobby, rude young man and two girls shot into the parking slot jumped out and walked off laughing towards the village centre. Did you see that, Captain? Polly the parrot was furious. If it wasn't for the fact that we have a hundred pirates moored at the other end of the island, I'd go straight to the authorities and report him. Disabled means, and I quote from the Oxford Pirate Dictionary, a person having a physical condition that limits their movements, senses or activities. Well, well, I'd say the captain qualifies wouldn't you Polly the parrot was livid that these young people with nothing wrong with them had taken the disabled parking slot it was just wrong Nay worry yourself my wee pet I'll manage captain Hake managed to awkwardly get out of the rowing boat without toppling it with the help of the other captains and they wandered into the village
1: another that- Topic that you and I spoke about before we started recording because we do when when we chat our conversations mm. go all over the place, which is fantastic. I love it. But one mm. of the things that we chatted about was something that you saw on LinkedIn recently. With it being Disability Pride Month,
2: yes, um, I, I saw a post from a gentleman in Hungary, and I, I'm sorry I can't remember his name, um, but he posted um, about. The recognised symbol for disability, of course, is is a sort of an icon in a wheelchair, which is a bit, well, my description was Blair, and your description <laughs> was something else. But,
1: uh, well, close. I think I said bland. But... <laughs> <laughs> bland, yes. Mine was Blair. <laughs> um,
2: but, but the good thing is, it is recognised all around the world. I mean, that's the positive thing. So the message is a very, a very strong message. But it's not a very... In my opinion, a very positive message. And when I saw this, I immediately reposted because I thought, "Oh wow!" And what they'd done—they'd gone to a car park and they had basically painted over the existing disability um, symbols that were on the ground, and they'd used the uh, Paralympics. So they—they they still kept people in a wheelchair, but they had a, somebody in a wheelchair that was throwing a basketball somebody in a wheelchair had a rugby ball under their arms, somebody in a wheelchair um, that, that was doing archery, and somebody that was doing shooting. And then our discussion went a little bit further because I said, well, why can't they have somebody using a computer? Why can't they have somebody playing a musical instrument? Why can't they have somebody painting a picture on an easel? Which gives such a, a – <clears throat> excuse me – it gives uh, so much more of a positive message about disability, other than you can't park here, what it I love about negative, is. and they also put it up on their stickers, yeah. and so um, again it, it it gave that as a as a sort of you know this is what people can do again it's disability doesn't mean inability, but please don't park here because these people do need a parking space
1: what I love about it is it's not. A, it, it gives context to mm-hmm. the disability icon, and in yeah. showing a, the the recognized single, but adjusting it to put it into the context of action things, doing things more, and just than just being a symbol. It's saying the message becomes someone in a wheelchair. Can also play basketball just like someone who's not in a wheelchair can also mm-hmm. shoot play archery, um play basketball, um you know whatever it is mm-hmm. yeah and yeah, absolutely. I think so often in the past historically conversations about disability have been taboo, swept under the rug under the carpet and just Mm -hmm. not spoken about. And it's no wonder that society has so little idea of what is possible for Mm -hmm. those of us who are living with disabilities. I'm not saying it's right, but I understand why it's happened. And I just love the fact that by doing that, it's giving pause, giving people a chance to pause and think and say, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And think about the implications. I happen to be visiting Hungary next month. So I'm going to look out for these. <laughs> Yes, so, I mean, I'm
2: hoping they're spreading all over the place. And it's not, I think it was possibly done in a private car park to like a, a, a big company or something. But I mean, I'm hoping it actually becomes a trend because that's what I want to see. Yeah. Is it spread around the world and become something more positive so that people with Especially children with disabilities, don't hide them,
1: Yeah, don't keep
2: them at home, lock them away, are ashamed of them, which I think happens still in the world, unfortunately, and it's very sad because people with disabilities have so much to give. mean, you look at children with autism, some of the, the young people with autism, are, they're brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. Maybe they're not brilliant at 10 million things, but artists i've seen some artwork and i i actually cry when i see it because i couldn't do anything near like you know the the, the detail and the beauty and, and 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 it's incredible and we each have things that we can do and we each have things that we can't do and we should celebrate what we can do yeah and not focus on things that people can't do and i think that symbol does need to change it doesn't focus on something negative but It could be a lot more positive.
1: And I think it's it's interesting as well to see shifts in society and awareness to become more inclusive. I'm sorry, I'm not certain if this is coming out on the recording, but one of my dogs, my golden retriever, is sitting in the background and I think she's supporting every word that we're saying because she's <laughs> muttering at us. So I definitely think she's she's also helping put her voice in there as in support. But I think you know with um the emojis including more emojis Ooh. around the disability space and it's we are seeing a shift towards greater inclusion. And I think that's really exciting to see and to be part of. And that's one yes. of the reasons that I do this podcast is to help people understand that we are you know, just people too. Yes. But
2: I'm one point. When... There are a lot of toys mm. starting to come out now as well. I know that Barbie is yes. now in a wheelchair, yes. which was a massive step forward, I believe, and, and a, a massive positive step forward. Um and I know there's a lady who makes, oh gosh, it, it's a, it's a, she makes individual uh, dolls for children with disabilities. So if the child has an arm missing, she has the, makes the doll with the arm missing. So the parents basically send a photograph of, of the child. And I think it's called something like Dolls Like Me. She's based in, in America, I think, but I, I think there's one or two people doing this now and i think it's fantastic that a child can actually look at a doll or a toy and see themselves reflected in it not just in books but you know yeah. in in something they can play with as well so i very 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 important our world has to change and reflect the whole world not 85% of it
1: that's very very true and i love the fact that i you know i've just noticed in the in the talks that i do most often the children are the ones that are the first to feel comfortable to accept Mm -hmm. and just move past the fact that I look a little bit different because of my blindness Mm -hmm. of course having a guide dog with me does break the ice as well I guess in a similar way to Polly um the 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 puppet it's a similar thing but certainly if our children can grow up with that inherent understanding that different doesn't mean other or strange Ooh. or ignorable, Ooh. you know, that's that's a very strong space to be seeing hope for the future. But Jan, I want to ask, and this might be a strange question because I know we've been talking a lot about your journey through the writing and particularly with the, the poly and the Pyrolympic series, but what has caused you to become so passionate about inclusion and equality? Is it, is it the writing? Is it something that's evolved through your writing? Is it something that has evolved through just your awareness? What, I mean, um, I'm, I'm curious about it because you're such an ally to the disability mm, community, mm, and there are so few people who don't have a personal link with disability who are.
2: Yeah, I don't have a, any personal links with disability. Children, children are our future, okay? I, I, I don't see it in any other way. You know, if we can't shape children and help them and teach them as much as we can how can we make them better than we are because they need to be better than we are because we are failing so many people. So we need to teach them in a way that's not standing in front of them like a classroom. Teach them in a way that is familiar around them, the toys, the activities, the books, so they see it as normal and make them better than we we have been. Um, so I think that's what's made me so passionate, and and because I've obviously write books, so you have to do a lot of research. Because if you don't, kids will pull you out. They will say, "No, that's wrong. <laughs> you didn't get that right." Um, so you, I actually spent hours, and that's I, and I call it falling down the rabbit hole before mm-hmm. I start a new any book. Actually, I do I do my research. So anything if I want to put a fact in there, I have to make sure my fact is correct. And that's usually when I find the ideas for new books. So, for example, I discovered that the Inuits hold their own Olympics every two years. So, whoa, here we go. So, what are their Olympics about? And then, so that is, of course, book four, which is all based on the Inuits' Olympics because you know they can't do the same Olympics as we have because they live in a land of snow and ice. So they adapt their sports based around their environment. So they they do like a um a tug of war a one arm tug of war which is based on hauling out a fish from from um a hole cut in the ice when they go fishing um so that, you know it's it's adaptive and and the husky races and so i have all of that in my books uh in that particular book and and so you, you know, you 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 look at these things and you go, "Wow, that's a good idea." I mentioned earlier about the Dracula parrot. I happened to be looking up parrots one day, and this is Dracula parrot. Basically, basically, it almost looks a little bit like a vulture, but it's not. It's actually a parrot. And the reason and it's got a red head and a black body. So I have Count Dracula, the the parrot in my book, um, and to. It, and, and, and it, 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 the reason for it is actually because it, it eats a particular fruit. Um, it's a type of fig, and that makes its head go bald. Um, but I thought, wow, I know what my next book's going to be. And, of course, I did. I wrote um, the the um, Halloween Paralympics which theoretically should be out at the end of next year for, for Halloween. It won't be out this year, but it will be for next year because I still have uh, three other books that have to go out before it. Um so I go down my rabbit hole. So I go off looking at things and I find ideas. And and then I start writing. And I have a friend who actually goes through my books. And she said, okay, so did you realize you covered this, 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 and this in your book? I went, no. Because I just get so involved with my characters. And I know Polly inside. And I know my pirates. I know who they all are. and I know how they react to situations. And they come from all over the world, Scottish, Jamaican, Greek, uh, uh, Japanese, to name a few, okay? So they've all got different characters, different traits, and they're from different parts of the world. Um, but but I also use that, and I bring that in. So we travel to different parts of the world. They come to Africa. We start in Africa, we come back to Africa. We, we've been to Ireland. We, As I say, um, sometimes I have make-believe parts of the world as well, because the world doesn't quite do what I want it to, so obviously... <laughs> As an author, you can massage that, yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's important. But underlying, I, I I sort of end up writing these little lessons, almost, if you like. Um, and a school teacher friend of mine says, right, well, I can use that in my LO lesson. I can use that, and I can. And I've ended up actually for my books producing um, like a worksheet for teachers to say, well, in this, you know, if you do LO, which is life, or inter- or life orientation. Um, It's given different names in different parts of the world, basically it's the same thing. And you can use this chapter from this book because this is all about bullying. You can use this chapter from this book, which is all about, you know, um, somebody with a disability specifically, Um, this one, you know, and and so on. And so I sort of put those little lessons in subconsciously, I think. just because it's part of my story. It's part of what I'm trying to say or part of what I think my characters would be trying to say. They sort of take over a bit.
1: It is true. Even in writing nonfiction, sometimes that happens, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. Jan, if people would like to find out a little bit more about you, about your work, and especially where can they get hold of the copies? so. What are your contact okay. details and where can they find your beautiful books? Okay. If you're in
2: South Africa, contact me directly because Amazon is horrible in South Africa. It's ridiculously expensive to have books delivered here. So I always have books on hand in print um, and they can contact me. Do you want me to give my email address or will you what? put that up with the, the Well.
1: Well, If you'd like to put it, give it here. That's great. And we'll also include it in the show notes.
2: Okay. So it's JansPixSA, J-A-N-S-P-I-C-S-S-A at gmail.com. So they can drop me um, a line on that. And um, yes, let's just say if they're in South Africa, I can either courier or drop if they're in Josie. If they're in the rest of the world, then Amazon. Um, and in the rest of the world, Amazon is very, very efficient and very good. Uh, it just doesn't like Af- Africa for some reason. So, uh, yeah, that's how they can get a hold of me.
1: Are you available for them to follow you on f- on social media as well? Yes, I have a Facebook
2: page. If you just go Jan Tungas, but with a W. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. I'm pretty active on both um there's always I, I always have something to say I don't know if that's good or bad but I always have something to say <laughs> um so I'm very active on those uh not on Twitter um I do have a um um oh gosh what do they call the other accounts where they have all the little videos and things my mind goes blank Instagram. Uh, in, Instagram thank you very much I do have an Instagram account as well so and occasionally I'll put up like little videos as well Of um, what we're doing with with different books So yeah
1: Great, thank you We will put the links to those in the show notes as well okay. Jan, as a final question What's next for you in terms of your writing? Oh my gosh um... Apart from the book that's coming out next week So maybe we should start there uh-huh.
2: Okay, well, the Patches Pirate Pals, we're producing a book a month, and we've aimed those at either the advanced early readers, um, six, seven-year-olds that, that read prolifically, um, that have gone past the, um, the, the, the picture books and are not necessarily quite onto the um, chapter books, which an eight, nine, or ten-year-old would be, or the reluctant readers, the eight, nine, ten, that actually don't like reading very much. Um, and that's a series where we have um, pages with the illustrations left for them to color in because we feel that gives a connection to the book. They're age appropriate. So, you know, the, the problem, is especially with advanced readers, is they read past their age group and then they start reading stories that frighten them or that are not age appropriate. So I keep everything very age appropriate. They're 32 pages long, so they're not huge, but they are eight by four formats, so nice and big. Um, so the kids can, as I say, they can colour in. Um, there's a little sort of, it, it's not your one or two words or three sentences to a page. It's a proper story that goes through the books. It's about a brother and a sister, sister, uh, Jeremy and Rachel. And when they fall asleep or daydream, they become Captain Bluebeard and Captain Redhair. So mm-hmm. that's that's the ongoing series. Um, I have to actually finish a few books. Um Richard the Rhino, which is very dear to my heart, and which I actually, when I do finally get it finished, um, it's very near completion. I want to donate all the proceedings to go to the uh, Rehabilitation Centre at Tula Tula um, Game Reserve in South Africa, where they rescue animals. Um, if anybody gets the chance, please read an elephant to my kitchen. It will make you laugh, and it will make you weep. And I cried sore, which is why I, I want funds to go to that so when that one's launched um all the profits I will be sending to them for that particular book um so so yeah I think that's I hope that answers your question
1: it does and it sounds like you have quite a bit going on in terms of your writing and we wish Mm -hmm. you success with the launch of your next book Jan, it's been absolutely delightful chatting to you. As always, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for sharing a little of your books, a little of the story of Polly and her friends. And yeah, some of your thoughts around disability and inclusion, particularly when we're talking about working with children. It has been a delight to have you on A Different Way of Seeing. And no doubt we'll check in with you again in the future to see how you're doing with your books.
2: Thank you very, very much for having me. It's been delightful chatting to you and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting again in the near future. Enjoy your trip to Hungary.
1: As always, we've included the notes to Jan's books and the way to contact her in the show notes. And if you have children who read middle grade novels, why not take a look at the Polly and the Pyrolympics series? Because increasing inclusion and diversity can really happen best at a young age. Thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already done so, please can we ask that you subscribe or follow the podcast so that when any new episode comes out, you'll hear about it right then. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to A Different Way of Seeing. We'd love to connect with you. So find Lois at loisstrucken.com or Facebook Lois Struchen Speaker. This podcast was edited by Craig Strachan using Hindenburg Pro. Hindenburg, it's all about the story. The credits are done at Naledi Media. Naledi Media, all your vocal needs under one roof. Read by Charlie Jassy. That's it for now. Thank you for joining us and see you next time when we bring you into the world of seeing differently.